This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this show. If you want to support the show anymore, you can on patreon.com slash blue shirts breakaway. You can access to our BSP OTs. You get access to this show without any ads, no ads whatsoever, all for the price of a coffee per month for supporting Greg and I. Fun show today. We have the Knicks wall, Sean and Maggio are back on the show to talk about all things Knicks, state of MSG. And we also talk about Niels Longquist, his holdout. And so uh, some other contracts signed around the NHL. We are so close to actual hockey. We are less than a month away from opening night. We have preseason games in a couple weeks. I'm very excited, and I cannot wait to get things going. So without further ado, here is Mark Messier and the rest of the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Break fans, welcome to another week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. As always, Gregory, say hello. Ryan, when's the last time you looked at your college transcript from Marist? Shit. Uh, sometimes I look at my master's degree and go, man, what a mistake that was. Because I host a podcast now. That's about as far as it goes. Like, I know I did well, surprisingly. Like, I didn't take Adderall. Like, I kind of wish I did. I felt like... I didn't know everyone took Adderall until later in life. I, it feels like everyone was using steroids, and I was struggling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear that. Uh, I didn't either. Not that I would have said no, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, however, I was, I was looking at... Uh, I, I had to get my transcript today for some job search stuff. And I, I'm just curious to see what classes I took to see if I can remember anything. Let me run down the classes I took first semester senior year. So this is the first full semester. To remind you, to remind you, you now host a podcast. That's right. That's right. Here we go. Uh, Topics in biology. (laughs) I was a I was a sports com major and a history. Can I ask you what a topics in biology is? Like today, we'll talk about life. (laughs) Sure, sure don't know. Sure don't know what to tell you. I don't remember fuck all from that class. Again, sports com major, history minor. Topics in biology. Themes in Shakespearean literature. Uh, Hold on, speak intro- on that. Let's, the, uh, since you're, you're an expert, this is it's worth it to go into. We have nothing to talk about. Sure, um, absolutely. Let's do themes in Shakespearean literacy, literacy. Uh, I can't, I cannot yeah. speak in Rangers. Well, what have you seen uh, with, from Shakespeare in the New York Rangers over the past couple of years? Anything you want to speak on? Yeah, um, a rose by any other name mm-hmm. would essentially be Adam. Yeah, Fox. okay, this is good. So there you go. But again. History minor, sports communication yep. major. Uh, intro to music. Greg, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest with you. Known you, known uh-huh. you uh, over 10 years now. Uh, yep. We've spoken way more than we ever should have. You're no, you don't listen to music. You don't like, sure like no. that's not a thing of yours. No, absolutely okay. not. I, I guess I tried to introduce myself to music. Got an A in the class. Don't remember anything about it. And then the one, the one class that actually checks the box, um, Africa history since 1800. I was a history minor. So that one that makes sense. That does make sense. Like, at least yeah. you were getting what you were paying for in school. Like, hey, right. I came to right. do this. So the only thing I remember about first semester of senior year, besides my beautifully chaotic, potentially toxic relationship that I, that I was in, was Shout the internship that I did. Yeah, Tara. <laughs> I wasn't going to say are, her name, but I'm okay, sure. yeah. That's fine. That's fine. She she knows she's a bit character. On this she has show. been. Uh, it was Meg's. It was Meg's birthday. Hey, happy birthday, uh, Meg, for long time listeners. Yeah, there you go. So shout out to both of them for different, very different reasons. But I remember the internship I did 
first semester senior year because it was with MSG. So I was working Ranger preseason games. That was essentially all I did. It was great. It was wonderful. Uh, and then I got to tell you, I don't remember fuck all of these four classes I apparently took first semester senior year. Not Ryan, not even n- literally nothing. Nothing. Not a fucking thing. <laughs> I, uh, one of my favorite things is when I'm talking to people about my master's. I go, hey, so I have a master's in psychology. They go, oh, that's great. Well, you know, and I go, can I ask you a quick question? They go, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, how many counseling courses do you think I took? And then they like sit there and look. I was like, you know, I wanted to be a therapist, like a full-time doctor to talk to you about your problems. How many courses do you think I took on therapy? They go, oh, probably like three or four. Zero. Zero. Zilch. None. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, what, <laughs> what do we like, do? I get, this, is, this is why I, I, we, you needed to get a liberal arts degree when you went to Marist as well. But what, what themes in Shakespearean literature? What was I smoking? I really, well, well, I'm not going to answer that. But uh, it is strange uh, that they like, don't invite us back. You know, we've asked so many times. <laughs> oh, Esteemed God, alumni. It's, 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 it's wonderful. I, the, there are other classes in other semesters that I vaguely remember. There was one class I definitely don't remember at all, and I got a D-plus, and that makes perfect sense. I could not have shown up even once. to a, I think it was like – I do think it was like principles to employment, which is one of those weird one-credit classes you had to take at Marist that technically all you had to do was sign in online on day one and then sign in two other times throughout the year, and I don't think I signed in two other times. So you said it once, and they'd be like, fuck it, pass them. (laughs) We got the cash. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it would be heartbreaking to my parents if I told them that, like, by the way, got a B-plus in themes in Shakespearean literature. Uh, Wow. Don't remember shit. I don't – my – our our good friend Vin, who's been on a couple of these extra bonus podcasts that we do, uh, he asked me, uh, what theme do you believe is most prominent in King Lear? And I said Shakespeare. And he said, there you go. And I was like, yeah, no, that might have been the entire class, man. I don't know what to say. Oh, man. Uh, good times in education. Speaking of not showing up to class, Neil's Longlist not showing up to Rangers rookie camp uh, and not showing up to camp at all. So now here's the thing with Neil's. Um, research was done. Shout out Brian Sharon. and he did the research on my behalf. I love when people – do the work for me, and then I get to take the credit because I get to say. Pretty sure that's most of podcasting, is, just in general. Yeah. Now, now I don't know this. You know, I, I'm looking at my college transcript. I'm pretty sure this is how uh, ethics got a C plus in. So I'm not sure if this you gave him credit. That was really why. nice of you. I gave him credit. That's bare minimum. I can a lot of reporters don't do that. <laughs> NHL insiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently, apparently the cutoff is 25 games for the rookie camps, and Niels has played exactly 25 games so he wasn't eligible for this prospect he's still not coming he's technically he's still right it's neither here nor there however you want to shake that tree Niels Lundqvist's time with the New York Rangers is as over as it can be for the time of year and the type of conversations we are having about him but in this respect we all overreacted a little too quickly on Niels because he wasn't eligible for this camp but i i can't put it more plainly than he baby he ain't coming he's not coming back. it's funny i i've i always kind of had how do i say this i i, I know we said crafts off a lot of the time we, we, we said the same thing hey he's not coming back but in my in my heart of hearts i always felt there was like a one percent chance i know i said it a couple times but it was like to me it was never zero the Niels things feel zero and I, I'm I'm happy to eat crow on it if he comes back he doesn't get traded i know drury's gonna be as 
I mean, the guy's a stick in the mud when it comes to stuff like this. He's going to hold out. He's going to get the value he thinks he wants. I still think he'll get shorted a little bit on what Neil's value was, as we've talked about on the show. We don't need to reiterate that. But uh, Neil's isn't showing up, and I don't think he's a Ranger ever again. The Kraftstuff situation, some things happened to be able to mend it. There was a need there for the New York Rangers. There was a need for Kraftsoff to come back and play and prove himself. So if that he wants to get off the Rangers, he can. He can get another contract in the NHL. There was a lot of political things that happened in his home his home country. And it's all of a sudden, there's a match made in heaven where the Rangers were able to come shake hands with Kraftsoff, and that's it. Niels Lundqvist has no shot to play. No shot. Like There's no chance for him to play without injury. And even with injury, I'm not sure he fits the mold of what the Rangers want to be doing. It's, it's funny you mentioned all this, Greg, because I went back today uh, and I, I was like looking through our tweets and old episodes like a real psychopath. And on January 16th last year, we said, has Niels played his last game for the New York Rangers? And it turns out the answer was yes. It just was, I want to be traded. His agent wants him off the team. It's been reported multiple times. It was reported mid, mid-winter last year. Uh, we got confirmation on it on our side. And unless they come to terms where Drury goes, hey, I'm not trading you for these two years. I do not care what you do. Uh, you could not come over here. I'll lose you for nothing. I do not care. But if you want to come over and be part of this team, and we'll use you when we want to, aka when someone gets injured, and they agree to that, I think that's the only way we can ever see him in a New York Rangers uniform again. Otherwise, there's no chance, and we'll just wait till he gets the value he wants. Yeah, it's... Everybody likes to make the, well, you know, we didn't think Kravtsov was coming back either. But it's really not the same conversation. The problem, the thing that made the Kravtsov situation so frustrating is that there was clear need within the Ranger organization for a player of the skill set and the position eligibility that Kravtsov plays. Whether, you know, it's great that the Rangers have Panarin and Kreider and Lafreniere and Kako, but they've always been a winger short. And it's part of the reason why they traded for Andrew Kopp, why they traded for Frank Vertrano, why they traded for Tyler Mott. They were wingers, plural, short last year. Um, and they were still wingers short this year. It's why Kravtsov, it's not like the Rangers, if the Rangers could have upgraded from Kravtsov and felt good about their winger top nine depth, I'm sure they probably would have tried to move on from him a little more aggressively. But they knew they actually needed him. There is a role for Vitaly Kravtsov to play on this team, and there's even a path in which he's playing top six minutes, as crazy as that sounds. It's within the realm of possibility. So not only do the Rangers need Kravtsov, Kravtsov can at least see a situation in which he is playing meaningful minutes on a team with playoff aspirations. So you can mend that bridge, as unlikely as it seems for a guy who threw a couple temper tantrums and went to Russia twice. You, you at least see the path forward where there's ways to mend that bridge. With Niels Lundqvist, a lot of things have to happen. One, the New York Rangers have to feel comfortable playing him on his offhand, which from all we've seen in this administration and the one previously, it's not something they are looking to it's do. Like a, that's one of those ring the bell situations on this podcast. We have a couple things right. we always say, and that's one of them. Yeah. Two, you would have to find a way in which Adam Fox isn't playing top power play minutes to truly get the absolute best you can out of Niels Lundqvist. And then three, you have to find a way to get Niels. Niels would have to find a way to be confident he'd be getting minutes over at least one of, when healthy, Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, Keandre Miller, and Jacob Truba. And then you go one, go one step further if you're Niels Lundqvist. So the New York Rangers essentially made it clear that 
they're planting their flag on Braden, Braden Schneider. That's their guy. So if you want to play the, well, Lindgren can't be here forever, for forever card, it's Schneider that's going to get that top four crack, which means even if the Rangers move on from someone in their top four or someone else in their top four gets hurt along the way, it's Schneider's job. So you're, you don't need one. You need two things to go wrong in the Rangers' top four in order for you to get the minutes and the exposure you need in order to get paid in this Well, league. not only that, you get paid when you're on a power play and you produce, right? Truba, right. Jacob Truba did that when he was in Winnipeg, and he, did, he didn't get the chance to really replicate it here because Adam Fox had bloomed. Or even, yeah, even then, you at least need to be on a team that if you're not going to be on the top unit, you need to be on a 50-50 That's split. what I was or, getting to. Yeah, even... It doesn't even need to be 50-50. 60-40 would be a step in the right direction. It's, for it's literally 85-15 on good nights. Yeah, the Rangers, of the two-minute power play, we expect 90 seconds of that power play to go to the top unit. At the, and this isn't a criticism. I don't want anyone to sit there and think that, oh, Gre- what, what, you want the Rangers to have Fox, Zibanejad, Kreider, and mm-hmm. um, Panarin off the ice for more than that? No, this is exactly what the Rangers should do. When you have... Four guys who can dominate a power play and score at will. Yeah, give them the full two minutes. Fuck it, I'm all with. I'm all with that. But the, if you're Niels Lundqvist, and if you're, and quite frankly, if you're the New York Rangers with a guy like Niels Lundqvist, whose skills are probably best used in that scenario, yeah, you got to think of a way to move that guy on for to acquire a piece that can help you in other areas. This was the thing we were talking about last summer. It's what we were talking about leading up to the trade deadline. And the only thing that has changed between last summer and last year's trade deadline to now is now the New York Rangers don't have money. So now you're going to trade Niels Lundqvist and you're not going to be able to bring back an immediate piece that helps you. The goal is probably to go get an undervalued center prospect that is getting buried in some other team's organization. But that's not the type of player you should be trading Niels Lundqvist for considering how insanely high his stock was this time last year. You've, this is literally buying the stock and selling it for 15% of its value. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that's, that sums up the whole thing on Niels, right? Do we need to spend any more time on that? Because No, I, I, listen, I understand that we aren't going to have that many things to talk about between now and then. I don't know if you know this. The Mets still have a one-and-a-half game lead in the division. We can find other things. Yeah, well, that, if people want to listen to that, they can listen to Back in the New York Groove on our Patreon BSBOT episodes. That's look right. at me. Look at me. I'm not even on it. Plugging away. Uh, I do want to talk about Evan Rodriguez's contract because I do find this fascinating as well. Evan Rodriguez signed a one-year, $2 million deal, a deal that you and I, not that we ever mentioned Evan Rodriguez as a as a solution for the New York Rangers on this show, but I do think it's... I don't want to say a steal, but it is great value. And he, of course, he goes to the Colorado Avalanche, where I think they'll find a way to make him great, as as those teams do, especially when you're playing around that much talent. Is that a guy? If if you could, would you want to take that contract instead of something like what, what we did with a seven x seven this year, and just see what we could find later? Or with the Trocheck? Trocheck is a better player, hands down, no question about it. But it's just funny because that was the exact contract that you and I wanted the Rangers to sign this offseason, and we end up with Trocheck. Yeah, but wouldn't we have just rather had Stasny? Didn't we do this conversation with Stasny? We did, and I, we would have rather had Stasny. We still would have rather had. Yeah. I, you know, Trocek's here. He's not going anywhere. He's locked in. Uh, but right. Stasny was our guy. Yeah, and it's one of those situations where if you're the New York Rangers, would you rather have $2 million of Evan Rodriguez or would you rather have one near $1.5 million of Ryan Reeves? I don't th- no one's making the point 
that you'd rather have the better player, which is Evan Rodriguez. No shit. At the same time, when I'm looking at how the New York Rangers roster is built, I don't think the difference will be what Evan Rodriguez could do on a fourth line versus what the Rangers perceived value of Ryan Reeves is off the ice. It's the Rangers top three centers are still in some order going to be Zibanejad, Trocek and Hedl, which is good. So I'm, if you're Evan Rodriguez, you're also, you got to look at the New York Rangers and be like, shit, I don't know if I'm going to get top nine minutes. And then you look at the Colorado avalanche who are now without, um, Nazem Kadri. Yeah, Rodriguez, sure, it's a one-year, $2 million deal. I'm sure he thought he was finally going to get a multi-year deal. I saw that this was his fourth straight one-year contract in a row, and outside of his ELC, he's never signed a multi-year deal. So I'm sure he thought finally, with the production he had with the Penguins, this was going to be the year he got a multi-year deal. But at least now he's going to a good team that's going to feed him ice time, where the worst-case scenario is he's playing third-line minutes. New York Rangers couldn't offer him that. So I'd rather... if. Push came to we, – we had this discussion before. If the priority was trying to give Philip Heedle the long runway, I would have rather just had Paul Stasny on a two-year deal, had that safety net, had as close to guaranteed third-line scoring. Because that's the other thing with Rodriguez. While his underlying numbers have always been solid, the point total really wasn't there before this season. There's a reason why he played on three teams in three years – before this blow, man, the Stasny contract is so good. I was just look, it's so I was good. looking at it right now. It's like one year, one point five. Like, oh my god, it's going to yeah, be so good for the Hurricanes. I hate it. It's so good, and he's a, he's a Swiss Army knife that does it both offensively and defensively. So, would I rather? It, it's always interesting to revisit this when another low value, high analytic type player comes off the board. I I listen. I do think. It's easy to get upset about how your team looks, especially a team like the Rangers where we're not going to deal with a whole lot of turnover from year over year. But it's a good team. It's not like this team is bad. Sure, I would like to upgrade along the margins minimally. Absolutely. Am I hoping Sammy Blay is a top-nine player? That's No, not really. But the beautiful thing about this Ranger team, don't really need him to be. So it's, I don't know. I like... Everybody that gets upset when a good player signs a cheap contract is like, what the fuck are the Rangers doing? I do think we forget sometimes that, guys, this is a really fucking good team. Team's I, really I, good. I, it's really good. I was watching uh, the hockey guy for the first time in a long time. His prediction uh, for the, his final was Avs versus Rangers. Avs win. Which would suck so goddamn much if Georgiev beat us in a final. I'd probably rip my own fucking head off. Yeah, but he's not the reason why you're going to lose. No, game. it's McCarr and McKinnon. <laughs> They're going to run all over McCarr, you. McCarr, McKinnon, Ratanen. Yeah, uh, a lot of good Taze. players. A lot of good yeah, it's players. A, it's a good fucking team. Landis Cog. Jesus. There's, there's, it seems loaded. There's a reason why. That, I mean, that team won the cup last year without a goalie for the most part. Darcy Kemper wasn't that guy. No, and he's, now he's a Washington Capital. So sure is. we'll see how that goes. Uh, Rangers are also looking to sign a veteran D-man. And in PT, PTO tryouts, Chara has been linked. Some others as well. Thomas Hickey. Uh, I'm good. I think that's how that goes. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, I'm good. This is difficult. It's here's why here, you get why the Rangers are doing it because how many times have we come on the show and said, "Hey, by the way, the Rangers depth after Matthew Roberts past couple of weeks that's Jared been our Tenorti. our big theme yeah. for the season." Sure has. It's it's Jared Tenorti. It's Lieber Hayek. You s- sustain one big injury and now you're just one injury away from one of those guys having to be a guy. Yeah, that's game a over. Problem. I was like, cool. That's a, that's a problem. It stinks. 
the reason why I can't blame some fans for being worked up and upset about bringing in a Chara-like player on a PTO, because there's two ways to look at it. The first way is, well, you expect Zach Jones and Matt Robertson to beat that guy out. And if they can't beat that guy out, well, then they're not ready to play in the NHL. And that's an acceptable, rational way to look at it. We'd all agree. If something to the tune of Jones or Robertson not being able to outplay a 43-year-old tall Russian, yeah, I'd, I'd say they shouldn't be in the NHL. We're fine. That's great. However, there's a difference between beating out a player and a player fitting the mold of what the coach wants to do. And I think it's that second point that does send reasonable fear down the spine of some fans where how many times do we, did we need to see Patrick Nemeth go out there because Gallant expected him to play one way. And despite the fact of him not being able to play that way, kept getting opportunity after opportunity after opportunity because he fit a mold. The coach was looking for. I think that's concerning. And again, I, not to go all the way back to the Lundquist conversation, but Braden Schneider fit a mold that Gerard Gallant was looking to play a lot better than Niels Lundquist did. Schneider more than held his own, but if you were to evaluate the players individually, Lundquist and Schneider, there's not much separating them, and you can make an interesting argument that Lundquist was better. But that wasn't the player that Gallant was looking for. And I think by signing a PTO where it's not just a veteran who could outplay a young player. You're talking about a veteran who could possibly fit the mold that Gerard Gallant wants, despite possibly not playing well. Yeah, I think that's a reason for concern. I would think it's a big but reason. It's, but it's, at the same time, that's the conversation we've been having this whole time, right? Yep. It's the Dryden Hunt conversation, just with a different name. Uh, quickly, before we get to five-star questions... When or if my uh, Gretzky passes away, do we stop hockey for 12 days? <laughs> or more? Well, is Gordie Howe still alive? I feel like he's still oh, alive. Oh, I right? should know. I think he is. This is yeah, let's look it up. Let, let's, let's do an internet real quickly. Just do an internet on Gordie Howe. No, he died in 2016. Damn, dude. Okay. That was bad for did us. Hockey, <laughs> did, hockey stop, did hockey stop for that couple weeks? Don't there? think so. I, oh, man. I, John... Uh, John Oliver had the perfect line to describe the Queen's passing. It's like, the whole country is shut down because a 96-year-old woman died of natural causes. And I was like, oh, that's a good It's point. true. It's, yeah. it's not like it wasn't like it, she lived a full life, a very full life. Now, I feel bad for the corgis wow. being left behind, but everything else, so good. Well, we don't have, we don't have evidence they were left behind. <laughs> read, 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 those, read those tweets carefully. We're not entirely sure the corgis are getting Honestly, scared. one of my favorite moments on Twitter in a long time. Like, <laughs> oh, Twitter. Twitter was amazing the day that we passed. Our entire – we everybody knows because they hear it half the time. The Slack channel we have with all our friends. There's, but we have like a, a shit post channel within our just Slack Just queen group. jokes after queen just, jokes. It was just all the queen. And one of our friends said it was a really weird experience learning about the queen's death just by the memes that we were posting nonstop. Yeah. Well, be more in tune. What else do I got to say? 
Uh, Five-star questions. Two of them this week. One is extremely long, but I'm going to try and uh, put it down a little bit. Uh, this is from Woody Sweats. Can you explain to me how Tony D'Angelo... I think he wrote Tiny D'Angelo, but I think he made that on purpose, so I'm going to say it. Tiny D'Angelo and Niels Lundqvist are different on the ice. Seems, uh, sen- seems like Tony got a long leash and Niels gets the opposite. They are similar in my head. Tony D'Angelo is American? <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, no, no. There is I, more. I think it's even... It's ser- different. I think it's... No, it's even easier than oh, really? that. Uh, Tony D'Angelo played for David Quinn. Niels Lundqvist played for Gerard Gallant. Mm, that actually is a pretty good point. I, I do think yeah, they are di- I think they're it, different players in, in a lot of ways. I, I, do, I understand the similarities in which they are... You value their offensive contributions more than anything they will do defensively. But Niels Lundqvist is a more responsible in-zone defender than Tony D'Angelo ever was. But David Quinn was looking for a high up-tempo defenseman to help his breakout offense get the puck moving up the ice quicker. Whereas Gerard Gallant wants his defenseman mostly to play more stay-at-home style defensively. And want to be defensemen first before they play offense. Obviously... There are exceptions to the rule. You don't tell Adam Fox how to change his game. You kind of just allow him to thrive. But, I mean, look no further than Keandre Miller. We haven't quite seen what he can do offensively because there's been such a high um, emphasis on what he does defensively under Gerard Glant. All of it is good. Don't mind. Don't get me wrong there. But I, I, I do think it's real simple. I think David Quinn had a much more comfortable time giving minutes and ice time to a player who maybe was more offensively creative and maybe less defensively minded. And I don't think Gerard Gallant thinks that way. Ah, see, I I do think they're like, it was Tony was already kind of established or he, he knew what he was. I guess he kind of came up under Quinn, right there, but but there's a 0% chance that Tony D'Angelo would have seen a lot of minutes under Gerard Gallant. 0% chance. Well, yeah, especially after what happened to the playoffs for sure. Exactly. Gallant would have become frustrated with how he played defensively and would have been trying to shelter him at all costs. I, but D'Angelo wouldn't have been on the roster for a coach like Gallant. They, the Rangers probably would have looked to move D'Angelo to bring in a more at-home defensive player. It, I just, To me, it, it comes down to straight-up coaching tendencies, and it, that's just not Gallant's game. It is. The next question is about three paragraphs long. It's from Panaranoid Android, but I'm going to sum it up. We talked about Tim Stutzel's contract on the BSBOT last week. If you haven't listened to that, you can go find it on Patreon, etc. Uh, and we, I think at one point, it was a kind of a mystery box conversation. They, we thought they overpaid him just a little bit uh, on that case. But Panaranoid Android makes the case that uh, this is assuming that the high, high salary cap increases, which is going to happen. You get to lock him in. He's not a mystery box and, then, box, and then he gets to reap the reward of a larger contract again when he's 31 years old. He gets to stay in Ottawa, uh, and he's also like it's not even that high of a cap if he's eight million dollars and the cap goes up. Uh, so it's not really a mystery box thing. It's more of a locking in Tim Stutzel. I'm not sure it was more of a question. It was more of like just backing up why the contract is good. But yeah, but the the counterpoint to that would be: Are we sure that Tim Stutzel is a boat and not a mystery box? The I'm not. I'm not convinced Tim Stutzel... My problem with the contract is I'm not convinced he's that guy. Panarino Android could say, considering Stutzel has 34 goals and 87 points and had a 45P-M in his first 134 games, I realize that realizing that P-M is indeed stupid, <laughs> isn't locking him in at $67 million the equivalent of, of taking the boat instead of the mystery box? No, because again, like it's... I mean, it, it, it is if you're convinced what kind of player Tim Stutzler is. I'm just not. So to me, this isn't a, everything is still mystery box. 
And if I'm playing with someone that's like, as much as I love Lafreniere and I'm certain, or at least as confident as I could be that he's going to, I wouldn't hand Lafreniere $8 million right now. No, mostly because he's still kind of mystery box ish. You don't know what his, like he could Lafreniere, Lafreniere could explode and he could score 60 plus points this year, 30 plus goals. And then it's going to seem like an $8 million contract is all but certain in the future. And you're going, and you might think, ah, well, I don't, I guess I should have locked him up sooner. At the same time, talking about a guy who is probably not going to play power play one minutes this year, might not play consistent top six minutes this year, might not get the opportunities to produce points at a pace that is equivalent to his skill set. So would I, would I overpay him early, hoping that I'm not overpaying him late? Probably not. My problem with Stutzla is simply, he, to me, is mystery box. It, could he be worth that $8 million? Absolutely. Is it a little reckless on his part to sign that $8 million when the salary cap is likely to go up? And if he believes in his talent, he can get more than that $8 million in just two years? Yeah, maybe. But also, if I'm the Senators... I've now guaranteed an eight-year deal to a player that is very clearly not done developing, and we think sometimes that not done developing means he's only going to get better. Could mean he also stinks. Like, he just might not develop the way you expect him to. I think it's a, it is a very expensive gamble on both ends, and good for the player to get guaranteed money. that he is Life-changing money for him. He's going to be good forever. Could he have gotten more? Probably. But could the Senators have locked up the wrong player potentially i i'm just not the, the analogy only works if you're sure that the player you're trading is a boat or signing is a boat like this would be if the rangers essentially were like instead of giving five million or uh, turn ryan strome into two prospects that's trading a boat for a mystery box right because you hope oh fuck you greg you're hoping <laughs> that one of those a mystery box has become Strom when you could have just had Ryan Strom. To me, this this doesn't apply on that analogy because I Stutzla is the mystery box. So I, I I I'm not sure that anybody's getting a boat there. They it could be lemons all around. All I know is they're paying him a lot of money over the next eight years. Agreed. Let's get to our guests for the day. We have Sean and Maggio from the Knicks Wall. So let's transition over there after a word from our sponsors. Transition. Uh, the NFL's opening weekend was action-packed. Boy, was it. Steelers, Bengals. Never seen anything like it. So many emotions. Guess what, guys? Season's just getting started. It's time to get ready for week two. Big plays. Even bigger wins with our friends over at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, if you somehow didn't join last week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game, get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone. I mean everyone, you, your mom, your dad, your dog. I don't know. They got Instagram accounts. Why can't they have betting accounts? You can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion, and it's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 points at any point during the game, get paid instantly. Doesn't matter if they blow it and lose. Just look at the Houston Texans. Would have won on them last week. No problem. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code BLUESHIRTS to get $200 in free bets Instantly, when you place a $5 bet on any NFL game. That's promo code BLUESHIRTS, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and 
Eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for the details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, we're back with our first guest uh, of the day. We have two guests. We're doing our state of MSG. We have Sean and Maggio. Sean, we've been trying to get you on the show forever. Welcome to the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I'm I'm truly honored to be here. Thank you so much for having us. It's uh it's it's been a long time coming. We usually do state of MSG. We've replaced the other person. You, you Corbo's usually here. You've officially surpassed him on our Knicks ranking. I know he's listening. Sorry, Corbo. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and our, our apologies to him. Um, Maggio, welcome back as well. It's always a pleasure, gentlemen. Uh, miss my buddy Corbo. Thrilled to be on with my, you know, the the new leader of the new school for for all things Knicks, all things Knicks wall with Sean Geddes. So uh, it's a new era for us on this pod. Sean, we talk all the time about the Knicks and how uh, MSG is just uh, yearning for a great Knicks team. This Knicks team has has produced some moments. There's been some fun. Julius Randle, to name some, obviously the, the heel of Trey Young uh, coming into MSG, R.J. Barrett, and then a summer of rumors, of rumors, 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 and they just did not come through for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, the question is, what now? Um, I think now, you know, it's it's what a lot of us have asked for for a long time. We just enjoy what we have here and continue to build with it. You know, R.J. Barrett is him. He's the future um, and the present. And so, you know, he just got his extension. Jalen Brunson is here. We have, a, you know, we're solidified at the point guard position for the first time in a very long time. I mean, for the first time in my lifetime, quite possibly. Um, and so, you know, now it's just about, we have plenty of young talent around them. So it's just about, you know, having the guys we have in place and allowing them to grow, uh, being patient with them. Hopefully, I know patience isn't a word that uh, most Nick fans are familiar with. A lot of people say they want to rebuild, but then like they scream at second year players for not being perfect yet. And it's like, that's exactly what rebuilding is. So, you know, hopefully now we can just shift into that and focus on that until, you know, maybe one day that trade does come along. But I, I, I like to focus on the here and now. Sean, I, I, I do. I like to I like to think of the Rangers and the Knicks on similar but parallel paths. And most times, usually the pendulum swings one way violently more than the other, where if something good happens in Knicks land, that means something bad happens in Ranger fan. 
or vice versa. However, this offseason, one of the first times in a very long time, where it feels like both the Knicks and the Rangers did exactly the same thing, which is address one very clear area of need, hope that that one clear area of need has been firmly upgraded, and then just hope everything else trends upward with it. And while we've talked about it in terms of Vincent Trocek all offseason long, Sean, I'll ask you first, is Jalen Brunson enough for this offseason to be considered a success? Um, I think he's definitely enough for the offseason to be considered a success. I think uh, last year we lost a lot of close games or we lost a lot. We blew out a lot of leads that we had. Uh, we struggled to close games out in the final five to six minutes. And it's because we had Alec Burks out there playing point guard, who isn't a point guard. And we weren't able to initiate any offense and get into our sets. And, you know, like if you lose key games down the stretch like that, you lose like five of those. Suddenly you go from being a 37-win team to a 42-win team and being over 500. So it's like he can come in and make that difference. It's a floor raiser while also kind of raising everyone's floor individually by breaking the defense down and making life easier for guys. There's a couple small tweaks, you know. Uh, We can't just go out there and do the same exact thing. But having Jalen Brunson in place definitely moves a lot forward and puts us in position. And then Maggio, to you, I guess the next question is, this is a question Ranger fans ask too, because Gerard Gallant very clearly has his guys. Is Jalen Brunson going to be able to be a Tom Thibodeau guy? Is that something we're going to have to worry about this year? He smells like a Tom Thibodeau guy. Uh, I don't know how else to to say it. I, th- I think Sean kind of knows the point I'm trying to make here. But he's got Tibbs always seems to like these short offense mainly offense type point guards like uh, if you look back at the chicago era there was a lot of short stocky guards and he had an array of them from obviously we know Derek rose but then after that was you know john lucas the third nate robinson it seemed like a, a mishmash of of small tiny guards who could just get buckets and not that brunson's like tiny you know but he just sort of fits that mold of like a perfectly very good solid offensive point guard player that i think would probably benefit from a tip system to some degree um i'm also just speculating based on the fact that we had to watch alfred payton for an entire season the year before uh two years ago and then last year we had to watch really you know kemba briefly but then it was the alec burke's point god show for you know 48 minutes a night the rest of the season thereafter so i'd like to think that they wouldn't have went through all this trouble for the the very obvious tampering, which they're going to get cleared for. But, I mean, it was very, very obvious tampering. I don't think they'd go through and jump through all these hoops if they didn't think he was going to fit to some degree with tips. So, I think he's going to be okay. I think no, I think this is going to work. Maggio, it can't be tampering when you just hire the kid's dad. That's not tampering. Colleges oh, do that all the time. That's fair. Yeah, it's fair game. It's not tampering. It's family. It's different, you know. <laughs> That, that, I think that's like a lot of sports mottos. It's not tampering, it's family. I think you just right. That, that's a T-shirt. I'm pretty sure. So congratulations, you can print that one. Yes, we um, can. Uh, for sure. Uh, have have people soured on Tibbs yet? Uh, mostly, oh, I oh, ask yeah. this because Gerard Gallant uh, had a really good year for the New York Rangers, but he made some really questionable decisions a lot of times, like a lot. And uh, the Ranger fan had soured on him in certain ways, especially in the last game of the season when he benched his second overall pick. Uh, and with no reasoning. Uh, so what has been like the Tibbs reaction from the fan base? Have people been like, we got to move on. He's not the coach for us. Or is he just the rebuild coach? And then when that you do land that super duper star, whenever that is, do you replace them immediately? Uh, he's ever, first of all, everybody soured on Tibbs. hundred percent. Like I, 
total 180 from the year before. Um, it's I wouldn't say it was expected, but the Tim's MO seemed to be year one, great. Year two, god awful. Like that was the Wolves MO. That that's what people feared here. That year two Tim's was a real thing. Definitely a real thing. Um, he's very stuck in his ways. You know, Tim basically decides what he's going to do in the preseason, and then nothing's going to change his mind the rest of the year. That's it. Like it. Like no matter what happens, no matter how bad guys play, it, it would take, you know, a a a sky skyscraper fire basically you know, the the whole thing burning to the ground for him to be like, oh man, maybe I should consider changing something, because uh, otherwise he's stuck in his ways. So I think. To that point, too, I think he very much is the rebuild coach. This is something Sean and I spoke to on the TKW pod a lot, is that he's like the phase one guy, which is the exact thing that you were just talking about, right? It's He's here to basically, you know, set the standards of whatever the Knicks wanted him to set because, remember, obviously, as you guys know, we ran through coaches, just like we run through lots of players here. We ran through coaches. There's no stability. The Knicks gave him a five-year deal. We all want him gone, but they were not going to have him gone after two years of a five-year deal, they definitely wanted to have that third year done. So it speaks to at least a forced stability or the uh, illusion of stability that they want to create here. But it definitely seems like they're sort of holding out for whoever the next, I wouldn't say big name head coaches, but the, but the guy that they would either want as head coach or the guy that they would want to come in as the star to kind of head into that new era. Uh, I think they wanted to do that with Donovan Mitchell. I, it, it didn't go the way that they thought it would go, but I definitely think that, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think, you know, this year is probably going to be Tibbs last year, assuming they don't have a spectacular success. And I would assume that they're going to start looking into what that new direction is going to be. Sean, your thoughts? Um, So I think that, you know, I was, I was one of the last people still on the Tibbs train, um, at least of most sensible people last year. And, you know, he, he really chased me off of it. He got really, you know, like like Kyle said, like he just dies on a hill. He's very stubborn, um, and it just gets to a point where it's like you know, as somebody who you know watches the film three and four times, and this guy who never leaves his office and is so obsessed with basketball and shows basketball over having a family, it's like there's no way you should be able to watch something this many times and not make a change. Like, and so some of the things I had to see like over and over and over again from Tibbs uh, made no sense. Like, and you know, dying on the hill and being stubborn, stuck in his ways. Uh, it was very disheartening, and so I went from, you know, hey, he was the coach of the year, and I know he has his shortcomings, but ultimately he's still good, to, okay, I know he's getting frustrating, but, you know, it was a good year last year, and this year hasn't gotten terrible yet, and then it got to, okay, something is going on, like, we've got, somebody's got to step in, they've got to tell him something, he's got to change something, and then it became Tom Thibodeau as a war criminal, and I was jumping up and down and spinning on my chair in the postgame show, and so I'm trying to reset this year, and kind of give him a clean slate. Uh, maybe if for nothing else other than my own mental health, I just don't like to be angry. I don't like to, you know, feel the feelings associated with the way that he coached last year. And so I'm trying to have an open mind that this year, you know, he'll, you know, the front office had to talk with him in the off season and he understands that certain things have to go a certain way. And, you know, so I'm trying to give a clean slate this year, but I think that he definitely lost favor of a lot of people. And I'm hoping he's able to gain that back because, as they say, winning cures everything. Well, Sean, I, I think you're bringing up an interesting point that I'd like to get in further with you because this is another point of emphasis that the Knicks and Rangers shockingly seem to be lockstep in. For the Rangers, in the playoffs, everything was about the kid line. They exploded. They each seemed to take these giant leap forwards. And now the Rangers, because they spent so much money on Vincent Trocek, 
that they are in a position in which not only are the kids going to have to be a higher point of emphasis, but they're going to have to play more important roles. And for for whether they want to or not, will determine the long-term course for the Rangers season. With the Rangers plan on being back in the Eastern Conference Finals, if they plan to make a Stanley Cup Final, it's going to essentially be on the backs of the kids and whether they can all continue to take this massive step forward. Now you look at the Knicks. The Knicks just spent this entire summer essentially telling their fan base that their young players, the Quinton Grimes, the Obi Toppins, the um, Emmanuel Quickleys, these guys are too important to trade. We have to keep them. We cannot move them just for anyone. If that's the message you're going to send, well, then you have to play them. And if not only that, again, just look at the moves the Knicks made this offseason. They made one impactful signing, and the rest is hopeful internal development. So I, I, I have to ask, do you expect that development to transpire over this 81 games, 82 game season for the Knicks? Or is that going to be the principal point of frustration with the head coach? Craig, I, you, what you said is perfect. You're, you're completely right. And it's, it's really that plain and that clear. Like everybody should be able to see that. And so for me, like I always err on the side. And I feel like what a lot of people have an issue with in fanhood is that people struggle to uh, separate what they want from what should happen. Like, you know, I may want something to happen. Like me personally, I didn't necessarily want to sign Jalen Brunson. I'm glad he's here, but I fully believe in Emmanuel quickly. I love Emmanuel quickly. And I wanted him to just be the starting point guard. That doesn't mean that signing Jalen Brunson doesn't make sense and can't help the organization. So I always err on the side of logic. And so, like you said, for them to, de- you know, decline trading these guys away, double down in the young core, uh, come out in the press, con- come out in the uh, press release after the draft saying that they're, you know, focusing on their young core and all that stuff. You can't do that and then turn around and play Emmanuel quickly 18 minutes and Obi top in 12 minutes. It doesn't make any sense. Like the actions have to match the words. And so I'm one of the few people who was not like, you know, kicking the door down to the front office because as of. As up to this point, their words and actions have matched for the most part. And so this year that has to continue where they've, they've now used the words about the young core. Their actions said that they're prioritizing them. And so they have to be prioritized on court. So I need to see guys, you know, getting a certain amount of playing time, having certain roles carved out. That's why I'm like the biggest proponent of please trade Evan Fournier before training camp. There's only two weeks left, but he's in the way of young guys who deserve minutes and need them, especially because apparently we're focused on a young core. So I shouldn't have to watch 31-year-old Evan Fournier be a traffic cone for 20 to 25 to even 30 minutes a night. It just shouldn't happen. It wouldn't make any sense. And so, like, like you said, Greg, I think that should happen. And if it doesn't, it's going to be a huge point of contention with the fans, myself included, and maybe even at the forefront. And I don't want to be that guy. I really want to be happy, Sean, this year. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be calling people criminals. I want to be at a lot of games. I want to sit kind of close. Like I, I, I want to get press access. I don't want to be that guy. It's like, you know, I, when I sat at the game last year, I feel like Tom Thibodeau could like feel my presence. And, you know, we hated each other. And I don't want that this year. I want positivity. Maggio, where do you, where do you stand? If you're going to not trade these kids for Donovan Mitchell, a guy you and I have talked a lot about in the past, and we're about to talk about him more, but if you're not go- if you're going to be steadfast on keeping your guys, giving RJ Barrett a deserved extension, at some point you have to have a coach that plays them, right? I mean, right. I mean, there's there's no other answer. I mean, you have two choices if you're an organization, and it's either you're locking that in with the young core, no questions asked. 
or you're trying to upgrade. And the Knicks have been trying to, you know, kind of have whatever, have their cake and eat it too. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work with what they've been trying to do. Like last year, they almost refused to play the kids like in bulk, right? Like quickly was the only one who really had built in minutes. Quentin Grimes started the year, not really getting any time. Eventually by the end of the year, mid season, he was getting 20, 15 minutes minimum, you know, sometimes 20, 25. So he was at least playing. Obi could play, but they had Randall, who just came off an all-star, all-NBA second, you know, team season. So he was, you know, buried behind him. And not that he couldn't have played. It's just that we have a coach, again, speaking to why Tibbs is a phase one coach, uh, who could have simply just played him at center. It's the modern NBA. Guys aren't pigeonholed to a single position. Uh, But Tibbs refused to get any kind of creative with that. So at this point, you have no choice after pretty much only adding Jalen Brunson and doing shit else. You know, you have to play these guys. You have to see what you got. You can't tout all these young players you have. You can't tout that you have all these picks coming up if you're not even playing the current guys now. Because they're touting, oh, we got nine picks in five years. Meanwhile, we just drafted a whole class last year. Jericho Sims barely played. Deuce McBride never really saw the court. So why even draft guys if you're not going to play them? And if you're not going to play them, you got to trade them. And if you don't trade them, then what the fuck are we doing here? So really, it's it's very simple that you just got to play who you got, you've got to see what you've got in these guys. Evan Fournier's got to be gone. I said it, uh, you know, just like Jesus, they hated me when I said it in the beginning. 78 million USD for Evan fucking Fournier. And everyone's just like, you don't know ball. You didn't watch him. In fact, they did not know ball and they did not watch him. We watched the guy get decimated on defense. We watched the guy get trashed. We watched the guy show up on offense once every two weeks. I mean, this is not the way. So play who you've got. See what you have. You don't even know. I, and Sean knows. I'm always skeptical with draft picks and kids. But even in that skepticism, you have to at least play them. I, I can only be so skeptical. Like, I know Obi can play. Am I skeptical in big minutes a little bit if it's going to hold up the per 36 number? Sure. But can he play? Absolutely. Why is he not playing? It's very, it's very silly. We have to keep talking about this. You know, for a year, it seems to be too much, let alone two full seasons of it. So, I mean, we got to start seeing these guys on the floor. We got to start seeing them unlocked a little bit. Whether it's Quentin Grimes who starts at the two, it seems more likely if Evan Fournier doesn't. Uh, I doubt that Tibbs would ever, ever start Emmanuel quickly next to Jalen Brunson, which I'm not saying I'm opposed. Sean knows I like to get a little crazy. I, I'm, I'm pro buckets at the guard position, however we can get them. I, w- I would get wild. I'd try anything out. But Tibbs is never going to do it. So he's pretty much going to start Grimes or he's going to start Fournier, who he pined for. This That was the Tibbs guy. So. I mean, I just don't see how this. I just don't see how this ends if they're not going to play the kids this year. You you can't, especially after how blatant they were with the Donovan Mitchell thing. They really thought they were getting him. They thought, yes, you know, they did. They, they really thought they were getting him. They really thought the, the Jazz were. There's no way, you know, they call. They try to call their bluff. There's no way you're going to trade him anywhere else. We got you guys. We're not going to give that fourth pick that you want. You're only going to get three max. And if you want, you know, more than that, or if you want less than that, you know. You, you know, we'll put RJ in the whatever they were going to do. They definitely thought they were going to get him. And, and then, you know, the the timing of everything to this offseason with like, oh, we're going to right right as the Mitchell trade gets announced, they try to announce the RJ thing at the same time. I mean, the, the Knicks have always had the worst PR. This is this will always be true. Like, wh- why do that? Why not wait an hour? Why not wait till the next morning to announce the extension? They always know what they're doing. So, I mean, you, you got to at this point. Yes. And you got to really elevate RJ as the playmaker, just like they did last year. Once the page turned to 2020-22, you know, 
RJ Barrett was definitely the focal point. He was definitely the main initiator. I mean, Sean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Julius kind of fell back a little bit, and RJ started to take the reins. He averaged 20, almost 24 points a game last year in the second half of the season, um, or in 22, you know, um, January through April. So I just can't imagine why you wouldn't fully lean all in at this point. You know, the, the only... Jalen Brunson's a steady hand, and everybody else just kind of has to get their positions now and actually get out into the fucking court and play basketball. It's that simple. Ryan, we, how, how great is it that essentially we get to talk to two guys deeply embedded in a different sport entirely in the same building? It's but the same are, stories. They're, they're essentially, <laughs> it's essentially the Niels Lundquist conversation at first, and now we're going to have the Jack Eichel talk with Donovan Mitchell. It's, it gets even better because ready for this one, Gregory? Uh, Sean, uh, the president of the New York Rangers is a man named Chris Drury. He kind of took over in a very um, – it was a crazy fashion. They fired both the president and the GM, and they put him in as president and GM uh, when they shit-talked Dolan. Allegedly. 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 And uh, there's there a bunch of other things that happened there. Anyway, we are under the impression that Chris Drury is under some thin ice – People think he's going to be here for a very long time. I think he's got two to three years to win a cup or he's donezos. Leon Rose was brought in to get stars, and he has not done that. How long is the leash with Leon Rose? Um. Well, one tough crowd. Like, he just got to the – you guys just went to the – well, we just went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and he's got two that or three That doesn't matter with Dolan. You know that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> have, have, have you met James? <laughs> unfortunately not yet not personally but um i think that you know with, with with leon rose i think that uh i mean to be honest and I'm, i might be unpopular here and people might think it's like homerism or company man whatever people call it these days i i, I do i do sean i do just before I, you say it, i do just continue I, now i i don't really have okay but maybe because you know i grew up when the knicks were trading for andrea bargnani and you know the Knicks that were amnesty. The second it happened, it, it was horrible. Awful. It was hard. There were a, we we had a lot of horrible decisions, and it always kind of got traced back to Dolan, and that he was getting too involved. And so for the past few years, I haven't really seen any James Dolan involvement. Like he hired people, and he allowed them to do their job. And so I personally don't subscribe to putting everything on Dolan or like you know the Dolan narrative because Dolan has like for a long time we asked it was like oh sell the team or at least like leave the team alone like leave the team that's all people ask for and that's what he's done and so I can't really keep killing him over and over again I feel like I'd just be bashing my head into a wall see Sean but- like I do wonder how true that is because there are whispers we hear on our side as well where it's like hey Dolan's totally hands off he's they, like, it's just Chris Drury's show. Like, don't worry about it. And then I hear other stories. It's like, no, actually, he's involved in everything. You have no idea. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what's the truth? I have no, like, is he is he there? Is he up those presidents' asses? Like, what's going on? I just want to know what's actually happening. And because and, MSG is such a silo of information, you don't get mm-hmm. anything out. And and to uh, to be honest, there's been a couple things I've heard. Like, I heard that he didn't want to trade away like RJ and quickly and all of them. I've heard that he's very high on Emmanuel quickly. Um. And, like, you know, once again, I don't know if any of that's true, but it's like, if it is true, it sounds like Dolan knows what he's talking about. Maybe he's listening to the TKW pod. So, I just, I love, I love the mental image of James Dolan having an opinion on Emmanuel quickly. You know, you know what? I actually love Emmanuel quickly. Thanks, yeah. James. That's like, that's like, that's like me asking my dad if he thinks Kevin De Bruyne is the best player in European soccer. Like, it's just, I can't really quite have the mental image of my dad saying it. So, therefore, it just can't be something he thinks. And, you know, like, for, for the whole, like, he's they're brought here to bring in stars thing, 
Um, I mean, one, I believe that R.J. Barrett is a star. And I believe that when people speak about the New York Knicks and stars, R.J. kind of gets overlooked. And that was like going into last season, that's understandable. Going into this season, I don't see that happening anymore after this season. I think that he really started to solidify himself last year. And this year, he'll take a big step forward. He's all over the marquees for like the Christmas games and stuff like that. Like, you know, his, his star, his star is truly going to be realized this year. I think that, you know, I mean, Jalen Brunson was the second best player in, on the you know team that went to the Western Conference Finals. He's been a winner his whole life. Um, you know, I, I, I'm rooting for him. I'm looking forward to it. I think that he can give you know close to star level. I don't think that you have to bring in you know the Devin Booker's of the world, and not a lot of stars have moved either. So I don't really hold the, the front office at that standpoint. And also the front office, like people love to act like Leon Rose came in and did a press conference and said, "I'm going to bring in all the stars." I'm going to bring us this guy and this guy and this guy. And so what no. happens is people end up reacting to the things that they heard people say on the Internet. And it's funny because people complain about Leon Rose not saying anything, but also complain about what Leon Rose said when he never said any of it. And so I wouldn't talk to people either if I was him because they put words in his mouth and then react to those words. So I think that if we like like I said earlier, if we have this young team and once again, this is, an, this is a very key pivotal season for the Knicks because, like I said, I'm one of the few people who's not kicking the door down. But if they go out here and say we're prioritizing youth and all that stuff and I got to watch 30 minutes a game of Evan Fournier, I'm kicking down doors and, you know, br- bringing out pitchforks because that wouldn't make sense. But if they allow us, they, we, this is the best position by far, by far, that the Knicks have been in in terms of young talent, you know, uh, flexibility, all that stuff in my entire life. It's been more than that. It's probably it's been like thirty plus years. So, yeah, that, so like ninety five, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like probably not start thirty years, but still math. So, everybody, while it's not the job that everyone, it's almost twenty seven rounds up. You know, it's almost. Yeah. <laughs> but while it's not the job everybody may have wanted to see, like you know, I think that like people have always come. Oh, can't rebuild New York. Can't rebuild New York. And now this guy, Leon Rose, is I think entering his third season here. And you know, we've got you know, uh, or actually his third, the third full season. And so, you know, we've got quickly entering his third year, Obi entering his third year, RJ just inked his extension and became the first, first round pick to stick around since Charlie Ward. Uh, he's locked in. Mitchell Robinson is locked in. Uh, they extended Julius last year. He had a terrible season afterward. I can't, a lot of people, I cannot blame Leon Rose for that. If a guy gets second team all NBA, Julius Randle had one of the best seasons that I've seen in my life as a Nick, but easily. Easily. I can't blame him for giving that guy a contract that makes him the 50th highest played player in the league. And so, you know, when you put all these pieces together, we have to now allow the team to grow. And, like, I, I understand not having patience if it means Evan Fournier is out there. But if not, and we've got young guys out there, Quentin Grimes may be a starter, he's entering his second year, then people have to give that patience. You can't be calling for the man's job while your star, your star players in his fourth year and you, a lot of your core is second and third year players. Because then, like, what are we really doing? You're exactly the problem. Everybody says you can't rebuild in New York. Fans aren't patient. Fans say, oh, rebuild with patience. Build through the draft, blah, blah, blah. They start building through the draft, and you call for their jobs. And so I like to just, like, stick to a thing until, like, like I said, with Tom Thibodeau, I was like, okay, he's good. He's all right. All right, cool. He could be better. Okay, he's a criminal. Like, once it's time for you to be a criminal, you're a criminal. But until you are, like, I'm going to give you some grace, and let's see what happens. Yeah, for me, it's more not calling for a job. It's just the honeymoon's over is all that I'm trying to say. Like, you know, that now, yes, Sean, like Leon Rose didn't come out and say, I'm getting you all the stars. But it was well reported by people who were credible who, you know, the whole reason Dolan and them trusted Leon Rose 
was heavily because of his connections to these stars or allegedly to these stars, whoever they thought he might have been connected to. Now, that's not a guarantee that they were going to actively pursue these guys. It's not a guarantee that they were definitely going to get these guys. But there was a reason why you hire a Leon Rose with no front office experience versus trying to get a guy with maybe a little bit of it. And it's not the end of the world if you miss out, right? That's the other thing. Because I agree with Sean largely. We are in a good position. So that's why I'm not calling for his job. I'm just calling to say that the honeymoon's over. Because now it's a matter of making sure that what you tell us publicly, the actual stuff that comes out of your mouth, aligns with what's actually happening on the basketball court. So you can't keep telling us now, oh, we got all these picks for flexibility and yada, yada, yada. And we have all these young players. And then you don't play the young players, but then you don't want to move off the picks. So then which one is it? Which plan are we going to actually run on? Because it seems like they want to have two timelines and they're sort of punting a little bit and buying time. Oh, we're not going to play Obi. We're not going to play Quick as much. We're not going to play Grimes as much. We're not going to even play, you know, Deuce or, or Sims or whatever. They didn't even have a pick this year because they traded the lottery pick, right? So it's like they, they have a way of kind of punting, but not far. It's always just like a year ahead to give themselves a little bit more breathing room. And again, not the end of the world because if this doesn't go right this year, if this year does go terribly, Tibbs doesn't play the kids, you know, whoever, you know, a couple guys play like shit. Yes, okay, you could always fire Tibbs. You could always fire a front office guy. And then the new front office guys come in, inherit a bunch of picks, inherit a not shitty cap situation. You inherit a young rising star in R.J. Barrett. And you can suddenly do something with these pieces, like Sean said. Uh, and a lot of Knicks fans are, you know, are very dramatic about the Julius Randle thing. It's the 50th to 60th highest paid contract in the NBA. This is not an albatross. You can move him. Even in his career worst season, by almost every standard, right, he still put up 20, 10, and 5. If he just shoots the ball less like a dickhead, he has a tremendous season, right? He's got a great season. So it's just like, I get it. It's not the end of the world. The sky is not falling, but the honeymoon is over because at some point it is about the results. It is about what are you doing year over year? How are you improving? And can the fans clearly see a plan that you're sticking to and that the plan is working? That's really all that it comes down to at the end of the day. If they start playing really well this year, the young core is clicking, guys take steps, nobody's going to give a shit. Me and uh, Sean have been super high on RJ, but RJ was not a guy from Leon Rose. This was a, a guy from Scott Perry, right, the era before. So from all you know, intents and purposes, they were not big on RJ when they got him. You know, like Tibbs was definitely not a big RJ guy. So the fact that RJ is here, is playing in a prominent position, is initiating the offense, and got extended is pretty miraculous because normally when... When the Knicks are not high on a guy from the previous era, like, he's not given a fair shake. So the fact that RJ is kind of, like, overcome that with hard work, whatever, improvement is great. So we just want to keep seeing some sort of fashion about the plan. We just got to see that a plan is going and it's working and it's the way that you told us it would be. And then if it's not, I'm not loyal to front office people. I don't I, I don't get these front office stands or coach stands or players stands. I just want this organization to win some fucking games and to get into the playoffs. I don't care who does it. I don't care how we do it. So, please, take some steps. You know, even with last season not going the way that you wanted. 37 wins, right? I mean, it largely came in silly season, as I call it, in, in late March, a couple weeks in April. However, you know, there's always room for improvement this year. So, can you now get back into that? All I ask for is you get into the playoffs. I don't care if you do it as a 4 seed. I don't care if you do it as an 8 seed. Can you get back? Can we have at least four games of playoffs? And then let's go from there. So curious to see what they do. But it's more about just actually, you know, enacting on a plan that you actually keep telling the fans about. And like Sean said, they actually spoke about the young core this time. 
you know, last year they alluded to it but never made any commitments. This year they were like, oh, the young core, don't worry, you know, to some degree, like, and how they're packaging it and showing fans all over social media. It's Obi, it's quick, it's okay. So you can't show us stuff and then not give it give it to us. You got to, like, Obi can't be 90% of your social post and then he plays 10 minutes a night. I mean, which one is it? So we just got to see that they mean what they say they mean now is all. All right, well, we're at the point of the podcast, guys, where I need to ask you both, how was your Eichel summer? Did you buy any billboards? Did you piss any people off in Utah? What was the summer of Donovan Mitchell that turned out not to be Donovan Mitchell-like? Because I got to tell you, Ryan and I had a lot of Eichel time last year, and it went nowhere. It went to Vegas is where that motherfucker went. So I, I need to know, what, how, Sean, how was your Mitchell summer? What'd you do? Did you make friends? Uh, I, I had, I had a solid summer. I definitely, I think I made less friends though. I'm not going to lie. I think the constant chatter every day about Donovan Mitchell, about what the team should do, about what the trade should be. Everybody talked about like the tra- talks went on all summer and people found new ways to talk about them. No, they didn't find new ways. People just talked about them every day and it started to really like tire me out. And I feel like I went from being like, and maybe I hope not actually, but like, you know, from, an, from, from my perspective, I feel like. I went from being like happy go lucky guy to like kind of angry guy because I've just been so fed up with everybody. Like it's happening their... to you, Sean. It's gonna keep <laughs> getting worse. I promise. <laughs> I promise, buddy. It keeps going. It doesn't stop. Oh, it hurts. It really hurts. It hurts so bad. Um, but you know, I'm just glad it's over. So I mean, from from that perspective, it wasn't the greatest summer. I had a solid summer uh, personally, but yeah, a- as a Nick fan, it was just really annoying. A lot of noise. A lot of. Uh, arguments about nothing, a lot of terrible takes, and you know me uh, having the point where I just I didn't even want to see or talk about the Knicks anymore. But it's my whole timeline, so just really glad basketball's almost back. We know the feeling very all too well. Uh, my <laughs> final question, then I'll let you guys get out of here: Is Zion the next star that comes to the Knicks? I mean, I'm not saying no. <laughs> me either. I, I, I heard I heard about some stuff. You know, I, I can't truly, you know, go on record, source, whatever. Of course, but, of course, of course. But I, I, there's been more than, than whispers about the R.J. Barrett, Zion stuff since Duke. A lot of it, you know, people believe just because, you know, they're obviously very good friends. But the, there's some definite truth to them wanting to play together. Obviously, that doesn't mean anything's going to happen. But, you know, in, in a world where you, you don't make the Donovan Mitchell trade, in a world where Julius Randle might be on his way out, in a world where Evan Fournier and his ridiculous heist of a, of a contract might be on his way out. It seems as though we would then have some room and an ass load of picks to trade for a hefty, hefty man down there in New Orleans to bring his way up here and, and pair with R.J. Baird and be on that timeline. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it would happen for another couple of years because... Like two years away. I think it's Yeah, because they got, they got CJ and it seems like they're going to do this little bullshit era that they want to do and you know they're not going to get anywhere and then he's inevitably going to leave because that's all the pelicans are good he's for, not going to durant it where he has four years left he'll wait till two years is left yeah i mean he's he got he got his contract you know he got his big max and i know he's got to play some games now he seems to be in great shape so you know what man play for two years but i think uh i think i think there's a shot but i don't want to get my hopes up any me and me and sean like three weeks ago right before the the mitchell trade happened it was like two days we were we were embarrassingly confident. I'm not going to lie to you. I was just like, there's just no way. Like, the other teams that were rumored at that time, the Cavs had apparently bowed out. And then they started talking about, like, oh, the 
Danny Ainge is talking to the Hornets and the Pistons. And then Dude, we did the same shit with Eichel. We were, I have to be honest, we were like 85%. We were we like, were, there's no way. We were crying, laughing on the pot. I was like, there, I was like, if it was somebody else, okay. Well, you, you mean to tell me the Hornets and the Pistons? There's, he's 100% getting, we, were, we said 200% getting traded to the Knicks. And then like two days later, he was a Cav. And, I, I, and me and Sean were just crying, laughing on the next pot. So we're just like, bro, it was embarrassing how confident we were only to go to the Cavs. So, you know. Not sold, but I, I would definitely think that the Zion things at least the next thing that they would probably heavily pursue. Listen, it's funny. I'll, I'll, hold on, right? I'll, I'll at least say this to you guys. At least the both of you got updates constantly on what was happening with Donovan Mitchell. We had Jack Eichel has requested a trade. Anyway, we'll see you in nine weeks. We're all going on vacation. The Not going to say a fucking word about it. <laughs> like, at least you guys were like, I'm sure it got annoying. I'm sure it sounded like the same thing every day. Every little update you got. All we got was that one of the five best players in the NHL wanted out, has demanded a trade, wants neck surgery, and has a list of suitors he'd be willing to go to. But we're not going to tell you anything more. Fuck you. We're going on break. And then Buffalo owner was like, actually, fuck New York. We're never sending him here. We're sending him to the West Coast. Doesn't matter what you offer. We don't care. <laughs> so. I, I would have gladly switched seats with you guys because it. I, I complain about Knicks fans a lot. Sean knows this. This is no secret. But this, this was an especially bad summer for the discourse and the dialogue. I felt like I, could, I couldn't believe what we were talking about every day as a collective fan base. I couldn't believe how we got here. I was so tired of hearing about, but Mitchell, are we, are we sure Mitchell's the guy? Are we sure? He's a defensive liability. Like, we didn't just win 37 the games. 25, yeah. 25 years old and he's a it, star. Okay? He, puts up like, he puts up like 35 and 5 in the playoffs on multiple deep runs. He's not even 20, you know, 25. Are we sure? Yeah, I would love yeah. to be a six seed in the East. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Then I would hear, yeah, but are we sure? Could we win a title like this? No, man, we can't win a title. It's the first star. Let's, it's the, let's it's the first Let's say teams who could win a title in the past 15 years. Right. Okay. It was ridiculous. And then it's, <laughs> it's just like, like Steph Curry, LeBron James, uh, when they're injured, other people people cool that's All, awful bro awful nasty discourse nasty i would have gladly taken no updates i would have taken no updates and then getting floored when it happened it was a <laughs> nasty nasty summer for us well gentlemen thank you so much for your time tonight uh i'm sure we could go another hour and a half to be honest uh why don't you plug uh, what you guys are doing over at the Knicks wall and uh, the podcast and all that sean uh yeah first i just want to say um i didn't get to talk too much rangers uh Big Reeves guy. Big Reeves guy. Huge Reeves guys in this huge, podcast. Huge, huge. Reeves guy. You guys know I've always played the part of like, oh, I'm going to be the casual Rangers fan. Last year I watched very closely. Right. I would run through several on-fire brick walls for Reeves. <laughs> I, I could not believe my eyes. I thought, what a ride-or-die guy. I, I enjoyed last season. I just want to say my last bit. I enjoyed last season so much. I What a thrill that was. It was electric. The 3-1 series comebacks. I mean, it Amazing, was bro. Ma- magic, magic. But... Follow the Knicks Wall on all platforms, of course, of course. Uh, you better be subscribed to the Knicks Wall podcast. I, of course, I know most of the people listening to this, you're used to our beloved Anthony Corbo. He's not the co-host with me anymore, but Sean is is a- as good as it gets in this industry right now, as good as it gets in this business. He's electric. Um, j- just to put a, you know, a full circle moment on this pod, uh, he mentioned that, that video of him, you know, jumping up and down in his chair, you know, saying Tom Thibodeau is a war criminal. This is entertainment you don't get anywhere else. This is this is this is electricity that that even Corbo was not provide. I never saw Corbo jumping up and down in the chair. This is no Corbo slander, but this is just this, uh, Sean br- brings a brings an element uh, of uh, being an entertainer. You know what I'll, I mean? So I'll I'll say this. I I don't like the term "lives rent free" in my head, but 
literally lives in my head without giving me a cent on rent is just Sean saying, jail, all the time. <laughs> Any, anytime, anytime anything happens, I'm just like, jail. That's it. That's all I hear. Yeah, so, That's so, so dope. <laughs> so follow Sean. Follow me. But definitely just look. Follow the Knicks wall is the main thing. Um, you know, we're ramping it up all platforms right now. We got – a number of different things we're trying to do this year. Um, you know, we're trying to launch a little web series. More on that soon. You'll be seeing me and Sean's faces a little bit more. I know everybody's happy about Sean, not so much about me. But either way, <laughs> you're stuck with it. Um, so, you know, stay tuned for that. We got a lot of goodies coming up. Follow us on Instagram. We're going to do TikToks this year. It's going to be a whole big thing. So the, the Knicks wall on all platforms. Make sure you follow us. Oh, man. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Take it easy, Thanks boys. Thanks for having Let's us. Stay on for a second, okay? Go MSG. Hey, hey, it's the end of the show, so you know what I do now? I thank the NHL Insiders Club for all their support and all, the, all that they've done over the years, and I, me- I mess up Mr. Gronowski's name at the end of every show, as is tradition. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we're so close to hockey. We're so close. But without further ado, Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Cartulo, Adam Keech, a- Cheech? I don't know why I fucked that up. Alex Flynn. Alex Flynn, you're new? Welcome. Alex Gardner, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lekos, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Haru, CJ Stellwagen, Conrad P. Demich, Daniel Dezan, David Narrett, and David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Rainis, Gib Gardner a Cup, Gretzky, Gareth McFly, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip 89, Holosauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B., Jer- James Masker, Jamie Filipponi, Jerry Marquez, JD, J- Jimmy Mack, JJ Frankie, JJ, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Justin Freeman, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Lasik Gronowski, Lasik Gronowski, I, I suck, Lou Giordano, Matthew Kind, the legend himself, Meepal the Cat, Neil Grover, Nicholas Nicola, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kodarev, uh, Pro World Tanks Gamer, Randy Tessert, Stigbull Box, Swingard, Thomas Wells, Thomas Sinclair, Thomas Rich Jr., Tommy O'Neill, Tory from Manhattan, Upstate Vin, Vinny Brocco, Vinny Hay, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Thank you all for supporting, as always. We are planning some fun stuff for the season. I would like you to write me in. If you're somehow still listening, write you, I want some ideas. Just throw them your way. We got it. We already talk, started talking about a meetup uh, in November. This, this, uh, it might be versus the Nashville Predators. We'll see. It's a Saturday night game at 8 p.m. in New York City. So start planning accordingly. I would say that Greg and I are starting to plan. We're trying to do the redo of the Discord a little bit on BSBOTs. We're trying to redo some other things, too. We have new audio. Uh, we're going to redo our website to be a little different as well. New merch, is, of course, is coming. There's a lot to happen for the New York Rangers and the Bushers Breakaway in the next couple weeks. So send your ideas my way. I'm always I'm always open to listen to things. I always am. I've reached out to some people. I'm trying to make some things happen. Uh, season's going to ramp up. Did I reach out to Jimmy Fallon and ask him if he wanted to come on? Yes. Did he respond? No. Do I understand? Yeah, I understand. He's got some hot dogs dumping some beer. I understand what he's doing. I get it. But we'll be back, as always, with BSBOT later this week. So we'll talk to you then. Love you guys. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.